ministry. And I'm thinking, what, what can I do? Like, what kind of job can I have, you know? And so I really, I had to make that decision. God, no matter what job I'm offered or no matter what position I'm given, no matter how much money I could be making, God, if it conflicts with my call to ministry, if it conflicts with what you call me to do, I'm not going to do it. And so um, before I had even really began my job hunt and started going out there all crazy looking for all these jobs, I was uh, several months back at my chiropractor's office, and the doctor had come to me and said, Christina, would you want to work here? And I said, tell me more. So as I learned more about the job, the job, the hours are so much better, the pay is better, and most importantly, they are more than willing to work around my commitment to ministry my availability and they were like you can't do that day? no problem christina they were just so happy to have me aboard and god has just shown me so much favor at this job and i feel so so blessed and as i was thanking god and looking back and just being like wow god you totally know what i need more than what i need because i probably would have never found that job or even thought to look for something like that but god knows what we need and when we come to the lord and when we live in obedience to god we can be blessed, amen? And what I really learned from this more than ever before is that when we are living in disobedience and we are trying to do things on our own terms, we are withholding a blessing from God. And I wanna be blessed by God, don't you? I'm gonna read you a scripture, Deuteronomy 28, the first couple of verses. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Amen? And won't it be so much better to live in obedience and be blessed than be cursed? All right, Father God, thank you so much that you are a God that wants to bless us. God, do what only you can do in our lives, God, as we live in full surrender, full obedience to what you've called us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place. Come on, I'm going to share some good news with you this morning. Did you know that God calls everybody to just know him? Come on, he doesn't just call the good people. He doesn't call just the people who have good families or have a good job or something like that. No, no, no. God calls everybody, come on, into his presence, into his kingdom. So we're going to sing this call. This is called Friend of God. Amen. Sing, who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Or that you hear me when I call? Is it true? Is it true that you are thinking of me? Oh, how you love me. It's amazing. We'll sing it out. That you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? Oh, see, it's amazing. It's amazing. I am, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Yes, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Well, see, who am I? 
Well, who am I that you are mindful? Well, that you hear me, that you hear me when I call. Well, is it true now? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? Well, see, it's amazing. It's amazing. Because I am a friend of God. Because I am a friend of God. Boy, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Sing it out, say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Boy, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Every voice one more time. Who am I? Well, who am I? Well, let me hear you this morning. We sing out to you, Lord. You hear me when I call. Oh, you call on the name of the Lord this morning. Is it true? Oh, how you love me. Oh, sing it's amazing. It's amazing. I am, I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. Everyone I am. One more time, say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. See God Almighty. Say God Almighty. Mighty Lord of glory, you have called. Come on, every voice, can you sing it this morning? God Almighty, God, oh, sing out to you, Lord. Oh, glory, you have called me, friend. God Almighty, God Almighty. You have called me friend One more time say Lord of glory You have called me Now friend We sing I am a friend of God Oh I am a friend of God Everyone sing, I am. Well, I am a friend of God. Yes, I'm a friend of God. Oh, He calls me friend. We'll sing it, I'll say, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. Oh, well, I am a friend of He calls me friend. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Come on. So good, God. You're so good, Lord. You're so good, God. God, your invitation. And God, who you call friend is for everyone. Come on. He invites you all to be his friend this morning. The Bible says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, friend. I just encourage you this morning. Just go seek the Lord. Come on, would you with me? Just close your eyes and lift your hands this morning. 
We seek your face, Lord. Oh, I want to be your friend, oh God. I don't want to be on the outside looking in. Oh Lord, oh Lord. We taste and see that the Lord is good. to see that the Lord is good this morning. Amen. We'll sing oh, taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord. We'll sing it again. Oh, taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good to me. Yeah. Whenever your voice, sing it again. Oh, taste. Here we go. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We'll see it out. Oh, taste. At the Lord. Come on, see you turn. You turn my morning into gladness. Put off my rags and clothe me with gladness. So I will rise and I will sing. And I'll sing and laugh beside me. Oh, Lord. My God, I will give thanks to you forever. Oh, my God, I will give thanks to you. Go oh, sing, oh, taste. Oh, taste. Thank you. 
Touch hearts, touch lives. Oh God, we give you this time, Holy Spirit, just to minister into our hearts. Come on. Your mercy will be remembered forever. God, we won't forget these times. No, we won't forget these times, Jesus, right now. Oh, when you're so close, come on, would you let him minister to you this morning? We sing a new song to you.
Just press in right now. Oh, Shona, now I say, Oh, lift up his holy name. Lift up his holy name. Oh, Shona, I say, Come and speak to us, oh. Oh, we're listening this morning, God. We're listening this morning, God. Speak your word to us this morning, God.
that word was for you this morning. Come on, God is saying he wants you to come to him and confess your sin. And he'll make you new. Come on, no more hiding. No more dealing in the shame of the guilt of what you're dealing with. Come on, God is for you this morning. Come on, he loves you. Come on, let him lead you to righteousness this morning. Come on, every person right now with hands lifted. This morning, God, lead us to your righteousness. Lead us into your glory, God. Lead us into your presence. Lead us to the throne room. Worship you.
Church, keep pressing in a few more minutes. Only because the music stops doesn't mean you stop. Let's see how much you got in you without even the music. Press in. Oh God, I pray for hungry hearts, hungry spirits in this room, oh Lord. God, we don't come here religiously. We don't come here, God, just to show and hush. How loud we can shout, we come and we make it personal. Let's go, church. Oh, my God. 
are the white horse rider. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Don't listen to my praise. Don't listen to wor my worship. You do your own worship, church. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. God is speaking to you right now. God is breaking some chains right now. Come on. Jesus. Come on. Some devils are fleeing right now from your life. God spoke this to me earlier before the brother before the brother spoke that word. Way before that, God said that somebody can't see God in their lives. You can't see God in your life. You can't see him move. You can't see him transform you. It's because you can't forgive yourself. It's because you're carrying all this guilt, condemnation. You're carrying, you're hurting yourself. You're sinning against yourself by just not forgiving yourself. That is a sin itself. And this morning, God will set you free. Amen. Give it to him. It's a confirmation. Father God, we give you glory, we give you praise. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, that speaks to the saints. We pray right now, Father, that whoever that person was, Father God, that you would just bring freedom to their lives, Lord. They will surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Pastor Bertle here, I'm going to present to you a short message of the gospel. Parents, if you can send your children to the sound booth towards the back so they can head into the back room and do their activities. <laughs> Amen. Tired of this short message, are you right with God? Ask yourself that question. Am I right with God? Are you right with God? Are you right with God? A God that is righteous, a God that is holy, a God that is pure. Are you right with this God that has called you as well to be pure and righteous and holy? Jesus says that to seek the Father is to seek the perfection that he is. Amen? Be perfect as your heavenly Father in heaven is perfect. God says to be holy as I am holy. We're all called to, we're all called to, to purity and holiness. And God has created us. The scripture says that God created men in, in his image. In the image of God, he created him. So, so what? So he can be glorified. So he can be, you know, magnified through us, his creation, the creator, God Almighty. But what, what has happened as he created us in his image? In the beginning when Adam was created, he was in God's glory, but he fell in sin. And many of, and many of us, the whole world, all of us have fallen into sin and we depraved God's identity. Our identity that God has given us to be holy and pure and righteous before his eyes so he may be glorified. No matter how much money you make, no matter what, what kind of job you have, no matter how cute you are, how ugly you are, he's all called to be holy and pure. Amen. Righteous. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Because that brings God's glory. Your creator, your father in heaven. It brings him a lot of glory. And if you have to pray, if you have to pray for yourself, if you have, you know, destroy your identity that God has intended you to have. You know, this morning you had the opportunity to receive the identity of Christ. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
Scripture says that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. That through the blood of Jesus you can be transformed. Your sins can be forgiven. This identity that you have made up of yourself that consists of idolatry, that consists of lying, that consists of perversion, that consists of greed, that consists of death, that consists of bitterness, grudges, and the list keeps going on and on and on. Rage. You made up this person that you're not. God has created you for something bigger and something better. To be made in the image of Christ. To be made into his children. And this morning you can accept that new life. This morning you can, you can ask the Lord to forgive you. As his son Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, first words. He preached when he began his ministry, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repenting is a good word. It's not to make you feel better, condemned, but it's to look at your sin and turn away from it and give it to Jesus Christ. May he cleanse you clean and, and go straight to God, repenting for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God, yes, you think in heaven? Yes, heaven is at hand here in you and every single one of us. God has intended for us to carry the kingdom of God, for heaven to be on on earth as we walk in a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You might ask yourself, why is there so much suffering? Why am I going through all this? Why am I, why am I, why do I feel this way? Why am I always crying? Why am I always feeling beat up? It's because it might be just the sin that you haven't repented of. It could be other things, but sin I'm sure it has to do a big part of it. If we go to the scripture, to Romans 3, 22 to 25, it reads, this righteousness, from God, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Okay? You can be right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Believe what he did on the cross, that he shed his blood for your, for, so, he can, so you can forgive you of your sins. And it says, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have messed up and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Put your faith in the blood of Jesus. Let, let Lord Jesus Christ transform you. Let him be your comforter. Let him be your guider. Let him be your teacher. Let him be your master. Let him be your shepherd. Let him be your Lord. Let him be your savior. So you won't, be, so you won't have to suffer any longer in this world. Amen? Let me pray for you. Please close your eyes and stand with me. Please. Father, I pray for, this, for your people, Lord. You have a plan for their life. You have a purpose for the, in their lives, Father God. I pray, Father, that you open up the eyes of their hearts, Lord. Open up the ears of their hearts so they may see who you are. And they may see your goodness. So they may see your love, Father God. Father, do your work. Do what you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit. And those that need to repent, those that need to accept you, Jesus, I pray that they would do it. Give them the courage, Lord, the bones to do so. And I command every devil, any hindrance, every, every, every demon that Satan had come against his, your people right now, I bind it in Jesus' name. I bind the spirit of divination. I bind the spirit of lust. I bind the spirit of perversion. I bind the spirit of greed. I bind the spirit of, 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 of suicide in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare freedom upon your people, Father. I plead your blood, Jesus, right now, Father. 
In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. To my right hand is David and Monica. If you, if that's you, if you want, if you accepted Jesus Christ, if you know you, you need to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you know, please co come to them after we recite our our creed here, and they want to talk to you. They want to hear you out. They want to pray with you. Amen. So right now we're just gonna confess our our creed. This is a confession of faith. We recite this because it's a Christian worldview. Amen. So in the count of three, please um, um, recite with me. And anybody wants this in a piece of paper, just raise your hands. We have the ushers. We'll pass them out to you. Anybody wants this on a piece of paper? Just, amen. Nobody? Amen. So let's recite this in the count of three. One, two, three. It reads, I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who, come, who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the death. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles prophets, elders, and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind that is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Let's praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, take a couple minutes to fellowship and, and say hi to one another. Walk around here in the sanctuary. Be blessed. God, God bless you. We love you.
Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. If you could begin to make your way back to your seat, please, por favor. Praise the Lord. Everybody loves the fellowship. It's always hard to say bye to go back to your seat. I know, I know, I know. But the show must go on. <laughs> this is Jesus' show. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome every Sunday at 10 a.m. Metro Praise International. Go ahead. I like doing this and try to be as genuinely po genuine as possible as you can be. Go ahead and look to your neighbor, okay? And just smile. Just smile. Some of you guys are not smiling. Smile. Look to your other neighbor. Try your better smile. So I yeah, amen. Come on, God is good. Amen. I don't think when we get to heaven, we're going to be up there. <laughs> we're going to be like so upset about something. Like, man, I wish I don't have this. I don't have that. But, but we're going to have Jesus. Amen. And guess what? Here's some good news. God is in the place today. He lives inside of us. Amen. So we're not trying to make you smile just because we want you to be happy and you can't be sad. But for Jesus, amen, he gives us the joy of our lives. Amen. So when we come here Sunday morning, it's about him. I mean, every Sunday morning, 10 a.m., even if it's going to snow, I heard it was going to snow. It hasn't snowed yet. It's supposed to be spring. But even if it were to snow, we're still having church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Every Sunday, 10 a.m., Wednesdays at 6.30, King's Kids, a ministry for kids 10 and under. Bring your kids out. We love them. We minister the word of God. They have a good time as well. And every Friday at 7 p.m., Elevate! We get down for Jesus, amen. Some cool new things here. We have a new website, okay? Amen, come on, clap it up, clap it up. Actually, if I could have Monica and then Pastor Joe, if he's standing, he's not here. But Monica, why don't you stand and Pastor Joe, he's in the house. Let's give a hand clap for them. They put so much work into, into doing the thing. Pastor Joe in the back, thank you so much for taking the time. So church, this is what I want you to do this week. Check out the website, mpichurch.org. It is literally the coolest thing you have ever seen in church history. Okay, I'm so serious. I mean, you get in there, it's really interactive. It's easy to use. You guys like Apple, Mac products? You know what, people like it. It's so easy to use. And when you come onto the website, it's just like, wow. Testimonies of people, of, of things happening in the church. So guys, take some time, check it out. I was checking it out this morning, the sermon player. You can go and listen to any sermon that was preached here. So simple. It's not hard. Like, which one I'm looking for? We categorize it in series. You can play individually, and you can share on Facebook and get the word out. Check it out this week. Check it out right now on your phone, but pay attention to what I'm saying. Hallelujah. mpichurch.org is accessible through app, um, Apple apps and Android apps as well. Amen. Moving on. Hallelujah. Our vision here at Metro Praise International. Somebody say MPI. Say it like you're awake this morning. MPI. <laughs> MPI. Our vision is to love God and to love people. That will never change. And our strategy, connect you to Jesus, mentor you, get to learn how to live like Jesus. And then we send you back out. Families, communities. And we got some cool things actually happening. Next month, we're going to be starting a new format of life group. Okay, and we believe this is going to be for everyone, and everybody can be a part of it, and you can have a grand old time. If you like having a fun time, if you like reading the word, whatever is your cup of tea, okay? Not everybody likes the same kind of cup of tea with the finger on it. 
You're just sipping it. I like mine's cold. I like mine's hot. Guess what? We have something for you. The men, be a part of it. Let it bless you. Let God, check this out, let God build up your character, build up who you are through the ministries we have going on over here. Amen. God uses people and we want you to be a part of it. We have ministry-based, life groups, class-based, special needs-based, activity-based. Find out which one you're really interested in. We made it simple for you guys. We have a life group page. Every individual life group has created their own page so you can keep up with what's going on, when are we meeting, if the, anything has changed because of weather, and so on. We have life group pages, and everybody, if you don't have a, a Facebook, I encourage you to get a Facebook, social media. If not, we're going to try to keep it all in together, the family. Talk to somebody, talk to a leader to find out more information. Amen. Some exciting things today. And if I'm not mistaken, do we have a party here tonight, today at 5, at 5 p.m.? Come on. Okay, disclaimer, if, if you don't like to have fun, actually, if you like to have fun, this is probably not your type of party. I'll be very honest. You don't want to come here if, if you want to sleep. But if you want to have fun, tonight at what time? 5 o'clock. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's move on. And our goal here, we believe 100,000 disciples in Chicago, 50 churches, and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, come on and say amen. Praise the Lord. Let's prepare to give our tithe and offerings, to receive our tithe and offerings. If you can do me the kind favor and open up your Bibles to, I have it here, Luke chapter 6. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6. And I want you to go to verse 38. And that's actually the verse that we, 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 we read every single morning. Amen. And I kind of want to give you the context of what it is as you prepare to give your tithes and offering. Uh, we have some cool things going on. You can pay or you can give online, Chase Quick Pay. We make it easy for you to give unto the Lord. And if you haven't given to missions, let it bless you. I mean, be a part of something greater that God is doing in the world. We have that as well. Ties and offering, our missions fund, and the buildings fund. So whichever you select, you can put it in the memo, and it'll go into those uh, uh, places. Amen. If you're with me in Luke chapter 6. I kind of want to, before we read uh, verse 38, I want to take you really quick to the top of like the heading of, of where that's found. We read it every single morning, give and it will be given to you. We even have the sign languages, give and it will be given to you, a good measure, press down and shaking and all that stuff, right? And, and so it's found in the context of judging others. What? Well, how can you find give to God and then it's judging others? And if you read it, Jesus is talking here. And Jesus, I mean, he is the best preacher in the world. Like, for real. Sometimes we have, like, people that we like listening to. Pastor Joe, Pastor Adam, hey. But you know what I mean? Jesus was the best. Crowds were drawn to him. And he says it here. He says, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and it will be forgiven. Then he says, give, and it will be given to you. See, our Metro Praise International, we don't judge you. We don't try to judge you by what you give. Like, there's special favors for those who walk in. Like, man, you know what? They give a lot more. You're going to get a hug today. You know, you don't give us much. You just get a wave. Hey. <laughs> like, going in for a hug. No, you just get a wave. Hey. <laughs> That's all it is. No, there's, there's no judging here. God, he loves you for who you are. And we encourage you here as a church to give unto the Lord. God says it in his word. Amen. And today I want to do something special before we pray. You guys can stand to your feet for me, please. Preparing to receive our tithes and offering. Man, we, we really want to like drive this in and look around. There's an empty chair probably around you if there is. This is what I, what I suggest this morning. 
when it talks about judging, we're not judging you guys. So it's the same way when we go out there, we're not judging people. And we want people to know the love of Jesus Christ. And that's genuinely our heart. And that's Jesus' heart. Amen. So this is what I want to do. We're going to pray for tithes and offering. But we're also going to pray for people. Amen. And so I want you guys, as a sign of what is happening, I want you to lay a hand on an empty chair. Come on. This is a little weird. We're going to receive our tithes and offering. If there's an empty chair around you, go ahead and place your hand on it. Amen. Because we're believing God is going to use people. God is going to save people. Amen. So let's, let's pray and let's close this out. Come on, you guys believe in God's going to do great things? Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name, God. And we just pray and we take time right now to pray for people, God. And whether or not, Father, they may have been judged of, of how they may be viewed in the church, God. We pray, God, that you will bless them, God. Fill up this church with souls, God, for your kingdom. And, God, we also pray for the people that are here, God. We love them. We care for them. God, may you bless them, God, in such a mighty way, God, that they will be able to give unto you. Bless this church. Bless our time here this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, say amen and give the Lord a hand up of praise. Come on up as you give your tithes and offering. Amen. What's going on, everybody? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. Good to see you here this morning. We're going to be uh, talking about purpose today. How many of you have enjoying the series on purpose? Anybody being any blessed by that? Hope that uh, you've been encouraged by what God has been teaching us about discovering our purpose, who we are, and what God is doing in us and through us. I want you to go back to that passage that we've been reading every week, Romans chapter 8. And I want you to see the context of the passage itself because I've been pointing out just one specific part about being more than conquerors, but I want you to see the entire thing as it deals with your sin, as it deals with Christ, and as it deals with suffering and the challenges that we face because how many remember last week's message that suffering is a part of our purpose? There's no way to get out of suffering. So if you're thinking in life, I'm going to live for God, but I don't want to suffer, you're going to uh, have a rude awakening because we're all going to suffer. 
And if somebody says, well, hey, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, you're still going to suffer. There's no way around it, but God uses it for good. Uh, just turn with me. Let's go to the, uh, the Bible version, please, because I want to uh, kind of skip around to some verses here. Start in verse 18, chapter 8 of verse 18, and I'll give you the title of today's message in just a minute. But I want you to be able to see this in what God is saying about suffering, sin, your life, and purpose. I'm going to tie it all here uh, together in just a second. I think you'll... Uh, be able to follow with me. But if you're in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, can you say I'm there? Amen. Let's go ahead and read it. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Everybody say revealed in us. God is saying that suffering is a part of your journey, but it doesn't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in you. Everybody say suffering. And say glory. You see, there will be a contrast of your life between suffering and glory. You're, you're going to have suffering and you're going to have glory. They're going to both be here, but one day the suffering will go away and all you will have is glory. Somebody say amen. Now continue reading into verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And so what this means is one day the children of God are going to be obvious to creation. And this is all of creation, the angels, the pets, the animals. I don't know if your dogs are getting to heaven, but there will be animals in heaven. There's going to be other creatures that are there. The Bible talks about there being angels that have six wings, and these are called uh, seraphim, and there's cherubim uh, angels up in heaven. So all of creation is going to see the children of God, but keep reading. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and be brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Everybody say bondage. Okay, now track with me here. When you and I were born into this world, we were born into bondage and we were born into suffering. Born into bondage, born into suffering. We see this sometimes with children being born with sicknesses and diseases. That's a, that's a suffering, is it not? Do you ever ask yourself, why do children suffer? Have those children done anything wrong? You know, some people believe in karma, and they think karma is like this cute little word going around. It's like a buzzword. But you know that karma teaches that when people are born just right out the womb with problems, Hindu teaching is that they had died, they had lived a previous life that was bad. Think about that. So imagine you seeing this beautiful baby and it's born crippled, and instead of saying, I want to help this baby, I mean, I feel compassion for this baby, imagine having the worldview that the moment you look at this baby, you go, oh, it must have did something in its previous life. God is punishing this child. You see, that was a part of the mindset of Jesus' day. Even though they didn't have the Hindu gods, Greek gods were influenced by Hindu's gods. There's actually a whole study on Indo-European culture that the East, that the Sanskrit writings of India came into uh, the... Um, the life of Alexander the Great into these Greek philosophers, and that is what influenced them into the point that it actually influenced Jewish people. And then when Jewish people would see somebody sick, they would ask the question, who sinned, the person that's sick or their parents? 
Does anybody remember a story in the Bible that goes something like that? Well, where did that thought come from? That's not found in the Bible, a thought of you being sick because of your sin or your parents. That is a thought that is going through the Greek uh, uh, philosophy, going back into where I believe it came from in the uh, Hindu philosophy. But now we as Christians... We have to deal with the same problems, but we have a different answer. So we look at the child that's born sick. We look at the, the, the person that's born into this world, not maybe being sick. Now, let me use another example because that's like suffering. But let me use the example of bondage. When I was born into this world, my mom says from an early age, two years old, I was already in bondage to my temperament. I had a bad temper. I could not be controlled. It was like an attitude, and it wasn't this ADHD nonsense they're talking about now, and I don't want to belittle that, but I just think they're just putting that on too many people, okay? It was just rebellion, and so at two years old, she would say don't, and I would say do. You know, she would say don't eat the cookie, and I would have the cookie all over me and the crumbs everywhere, okay? And she said that at that time, she had to start spanking me. And I remember just getting spanked and paddled all throughout my life. Uh, and if being spanked and paddled would make you an angel or a saint, I would be a saint right now. I'd be an angel because I got spanked all the time. I mean, I had paddles broken on my butt. I had wooden spoons broken on my butt. My mom would use her shoe. My dad would use his hand. I mean, I would get whipped all, all the time. I mean, it just didn't change anything. I got whipped in school by, by principals. I mean, I got spanked, man. I got spanked. Okay, maybe that's some of the issues that I have. I don't know, but I got spanked a lot. And I thank God for it, but my point is I was in bondage. Everybody say bondage to my own will. Look at this, man. Let's just think this through right here says, for the creation was subjected to frustration. See, this is frustrating when we see a world with suffering and bondage. But who subjected it to that? God did. Oh, man, you mean it's not the devil? I want you to understand this. God is not making people sick. God is not making people sinners. But God frustrated this creation god punished this creation by removing his presence let me explain this to you is darkness a thing can you take darkness put it in a bottle and hand it to somebody else but is light a thing yes light can be measured now maybe you can't put it in a bottle but you can measure light you can see the travel the speed of light you can manipulate light but can you do that with darkness you cannot Darkness is not a thing, it's the absence of a thing. Is everybody tracking with me? Get a little deep this morning. I've been deep all month, but just follow me here. Light is the thing, darkness is the absence of the thing. How did this world get into a place of bondage and suffering by God frustrating it? What did he do? What did he allow to happen? He took his light out of the place. And what happens when you turn off the lights? What happens by default? Come on, think about it. What happens? Darkness. It gets dark. And when the sun goes away, when heat leaves, what happens? Things get cold, right? When life leaves your body, what happens? Things die. So when you wake up, uh, woke up this morning and you're not serving God, let's say you came here today, you're not serving the Lord, and you're looking around at a world that's full of suffering, and bondage and that frustrates you god is saying i'm glad you understand that i'm glad you get it because what he's trying to teach you is is that he took his hand out of this place six thousand years ago 
He's trying to let you know that if you do this on your own, your own way, it is going to be dark, it is going to be cold, it is going to be frustrating, you are going to have suffering in your life. But at the same time, what's here is that verse 22 says, We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up in the present time. So he's talking about all of creation. And this is talking about why natural disaster happens. You could see this as their voice of, of them crying out. Uh, you know, the sea, the waves, the earth, the, the atmosphere. All of this is crying out for something to change. In verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say first fruit of the Spirit. Thank you. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Everybody say saved. But hope that is seen, it's no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? Okay, so everybody track with me here. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the frustration... In the midst of all creation groaning for something to change, God is offering redemption. Yet we don't see it. We have to hope in it. Can I hope to have an iPhone 5 one day? This is an iPhone 5. Can I hope to have one one day? Think about it. Can I hope to have an iPhone 5 one day? No, I cannot. Listen to the sentence. This is not a trick with your mind, but it's getting you to think. Can I hope to have a bottle of water? I cannot hope for it because it is already in my hand. I have the bottle of water. I have. Are you all listening? The Bible's written in English. I mean, written in a language that we can understand. He's not trying to trick us with his words. When it says here, who has hope for what he has already seen? Hope is what you don't see. He's not trying to trick us. He's wanting you to understand this. You don't hope for what you already have and possess. You hope for what you don't have and possess. Now watch. Can I hope for a, a Ford Escalator, uh, Escalade? Can I hope for that? If you don't know what I'm driving right now, it ain't an Escalade. It's a Ford Sable Station Wagon. That's all we have right now, okay? So can I hope for an Escalade? I can hope for that, can I? Can I hope to lose 40 pounds and look sexy again like Ricardo Rivera? Can I hope? Now, I didn't say I can do it, but I said, can I hope to do it? Can I have a dream? Come on, somebody. I can have a dream, right? One day, Jesus. Now, what he's trying to tell us is, you can't see your body and the redemption of Christ and the glory of Christ, all of that being changed. You, you can't see your body being changed. You can't see heaven on earth. You can't see Christ himself. And all of that is hard in this world because what you do see is suffering, bondage, and frustration. Now, is everybody tracking with me? That's what we're reading right here. Why did I read that? Verse 28. I want everybody to read it out of this version up here. Why did I read you that context today? Read verse 28 on the count of three. One, two, three. And we of those who love him. Woo, 
come on, somebody. Let that revelation sink in right now. Some of y'all got it. Some of you, I'm going to have to preach a little bit longer, and I'm going to move on to my message, but this is the introduction. Be honest with me right now. How many just tied it together? Raise your hand. Okay, about five, six of you. I'm going to help the rest of you right here. Your life, your purpose is to not let the frustration, the bondage, and the suffering take your eyes off what you're hoping in for Christ to do. You are not to allow the pain, the suffering, the things you are facing to take the hope of what you have in Christ away. You may groan. You may feel pain sometimes. You may feel like giving up. You may be facing situations that you never thought you would face. Many of you were young adults, 20 years old, and you said, by the time I'm 35 years old, I'll have this, this, and this in my life. And you never imagined that at 35 years old you'd be going through a foreclosure or you have to reposition your job or you never imagined that you'd be going through what you're going through. Some of you, you have a great life. You're ascending up that ladder of success, but you never thought that to be where you are at that level, you would have to pay the price that you've paid. And, and you're tired. You're, you're working at burning the candle at both ends and what God is saying is you can't let those things deter you from hoping in me you can't let your disappointment and frustration and bondage and suffering and midlife crisis and recessions and family loss and lack of income you can't let that change your hope in me that's what he's saying today he wants us to be encouraged in the midst of our suffering because as I just started off in verse 18, Paul said, I consider that our present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed. It gets better when you serve Jesus. And so the suffering isn't supposed to make you run away from Jesus and head the other direction. The suffering is supposed to bring you to Jesus, bring you to the Lord, and say, Lord, I'm hoping in what you're going to do, and I know what you're doing is going to be great. Because if you keep reading, it says, For those God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of a son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Look at verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. I just wish I could preach on verse 29 and 30. Come on, somebody. And verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? That if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for you, no suffering, no bondage, no frustration can stop the purpose and plan he has for your life. I didn't say that because God has a purpose and plan for your life, he'll stop pain and suffering. Don't get that confused. A lot of people think when the preacher says things are going to get good, things are going to work out, things are going to be glorious, they think what I just said is things are going to be easy, there won't be any problems, you won't get frustrated, you won't suffer. And that's exactly the wrong context. The context is you will suffer, you will have bondage, you will face frustration, but there is a hope, and that hope is beyond the scope of this world, and therefore the God who created this world created you and your purpose, and no one can stand against it. Nothing can come against it. Now some of you might think of your greatest purpose is just to pay your light bill. 
My greatest purpose is just to be able to have extra money so I can go to Applebee's on Sunday instead of McDonald's. Some of you might think your greatest purpose is to get that Escalade or get to a new house, but your purpose is greater than things. Think about this. Come on, everybody just think about this. What is the nicest thing you have right now? You know, just look at your neighbor right now. Look at your neighbor. Don't boast, don't brag, but just tell them, not, not a person, but a thing, the most valuable thing that you own or you treasure. Just look at your neighbor and tell them. I know my wife would say her wedding ring. Come on, talk to each other. Abla, abla. <laughs> my wife would say her wedding ring. Maybe for me, it's uh, my TVs, my house, a car, something like that. Come on. Now, let me ask you a question. Everybody look up at me, please. We all got things that are valuable to us. You know, some people like being spiritual. My faith, my faith is so valuable. No, I'm talking about things, okay? You didn't come wearing faith this morning. You had to put on some clothes, amen? Faith didn't drive you here. You had to get into a car, okay? So it's okay to have things in life, right? Let's not be so spiritual. We're wacky, right? Okay, now think about this. Everybody think about that thing you just shared about, that thing that is meaningful to you. Does that give you hope? Think about it. Does that give you hope? Does it, God bless him. He's, let me just share with you my friend here. He's special ed, and we love him. Amen. No, I'm just being serious. He's a special ed person. We, we pick up people from the west uh, side, and he's special. And we love you, brother. Thank you. He didn't mean to do that. And, he, and if he understood what's going on, he wouldn't have said that. But think about that. Does that give you hope? It, it doesn't. But what are most people running after to get hope? They're running after things. They think, if I get this house, then everything will be better. I hope that this house will change my circumstance. And, and the house does something in the sense of it changes the circumstance from you know, more space to you know, bigger bedroom. But it doesn't go to the deepest part of what people are looking for that house to do. What they're looking for that house to do is to fill a hole on the inside of them of security and meaning. I live next to this woman uh, in Harwood Heights. Praise God, she's not my neighbor anymore. But uh, I mean, I mean, you know, she suffered from, um, I don't even know what you would call this, but uh, she had to, she had to do things in her yard every single day or she didn't feel right. I mean, she literally would go out into her yard and pick up. I'm not talking like raking leaves. I'm talking like if there are like those little spinning helicopter things that would come down from trees, she would go through her yard and instead of raking because, you know, that would not be effective for her, I guess, she would walk and pick them up by hand and put them in a little bag. She manipulated, uh, just, she manipulated, uh, I can't even th say the word, meticulously, thank you, took care of this yard. And, and it's one thing to take care of something nice, and I get it, you polish your car. But this woman, like, drove me insane with how she took care of her yard because it was like she idolized her grass. She idolized her, her garden. It was just sickening to me. I'm sorry, but it was. Because I come from the suburbs where you have big yards, and you just play in the yard, and, and you, you just you play in that thing, you know. She made, she idolized. I think what she was thinking was to make her carpet, uh, to make her yard like her carpet. Like she basically treated it like a carpet. And I looked at her and I'm just like, you're nuts. I'm just being honest. I just, I just said, you are out of your mind. 
for you to have this much time on your hands. You, you, something is wrong. You know what I'm saying? But, but look, she found some kind of value in that. And something brought her peace while she was, I mean, some type of peace came from that. I mean, there was a payoff in her cleaning that yard meticulously every day. And then she would get so annoyed. You know, she knew right where the boundary line of my kids went and played over. It's like, God forbid we play on your grass. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I began, I began to think about this. I began to think about why does she do that? Why do we do things like that? Why do we get in the, in the kind of the mode of life where we start holding on to our treasures so tight and we take care of them so much that God forbid anything happen to this. God forbid the car get a scratch. God forbid, you know, something happens that, you know, we, we just, oh, it just consumes us. And I felt God was telling me that we're all looking for this fountain of life in our things. We're all thinking like if I get this thing, I'm going to be happier. If I keep my yard nice, I'm going to sleep better tonight. How many know there's people that don't have yards but have hope today? How many people know that there's people who have uh, great lives but they may not have a great car? See, they're not connected. If, and how many people know that there's people who have great yards, great cars, but have terrible lives? Right? So they're not connected. But we are confused in that way to think it's, con it's connected. And then watch what happens. Watch what happens. When the yard gets messed up, what does she do? She reacts to it. She gets hurt by it. It bothers her. It ruins her day. Why? Because she's attached herself to that in such a way where she doesn't understand that the grass is not connected to her purpose. The grass is just supposed to be walked on. Now track with me here. What is your grass? What are things in your life that you think you have to have or you're not going to be happy? You know, my wife, let's say she loves that wedding ring, and that's the most valuable treasure she has. If my wife lost her wedding ring, she may not be happy. And I'm not saying being wasteful and being poor and beggars. I'm just saying, if God forbid, if she lost the wedding ring, has that changed our marriage? See, we all know that there are things in life that are more valuable than the things that we see in this life. The things that are more valuable are more than material things. They're spiritual things. And what God is wanting you to understand, he's wanting me to understand, is that this physical world passes away, but he endures forever. Somebody say, I have hope. Amen. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, please. As I try to find my wedding ring where I put it here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Today's message is living a life of excellence. Living a life of excellence. Colossians 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 23. That was the introduction, by the way. Anybody like the introduction? Amen. Aren't you glad you come to a church where we preach? Amen. I'm sorry. There's no palms today we're giving you. That ain't happening today. Amen. <clears throat> it's just God bless you for being a part of a church. That, that, thank you for letting us be us. Amen. I tried religion and it didn't work. I'm doing Jesus and he's pretty awesome. Amen. You know, uh, and if somebody goes, hey, what are you doing for Easter? And, and, and we say back, well, man, we're having Jesus. We're worshiping him. We're reading the Bible. We're singing songs to him. 
Oh, man, you guys do that every week. If that's a problem, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right. Are you all tracking with me? If to love Jesus, I have to have a play with some guy pretending to be Jesus, and if I have to bring a donkey and a mule and give you a palm, if I have to do that to love Jesus, if that is right, then I want to be wrong. Because all I want is Jesus. But God bless the Christers, amen, those who come on Christmas and Easter. Most of them go to other churches, not here, because they know they, they gets none here. You know what I'm saying? Like some of them just like woke up this morning. It's like, I'm going to church. I'm going to get my little palm. I'm going to feel all good. Somebody might have said, hey, you should go to Metro. No, I ain't going there and get a rebuke because they know that I'm just coming to get my palm. I got to go somewhere and get my palm. St. Cletus. All right, we're going to St. Cletus. St. Cletus. <laughs> Is Cletus even a saint? I don't know. St. Cletus will give us a palm. God bless you in the palms. Everybody going to be waving their palms around. Praise him, somebody. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. And if you, if you want a palm, I'm sure you can find one somewhere. God bless you. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Wow, the Bible says that we are to do all things as unto who? Come on, as unto who? The Lord. I want to talk to you today about your life of purpose. The message is living a life of excellence. Because guess what? We do live on this earth where there are things to do in the midst of suffering, in the midst of problems. And, and I want you now to begin to think about your job and the things that you do on, on, on your job. And I want to encourage you today because they say in life you're going to spend years working that job, years of your life. Think of it, one-third of your adult life, eight hours a day, is spent on that job. Can I encourage you with this today? Can I encourage you with that? Amen. I want to encourage you for what you do on your job. How many people, let's start right here, and, and don't worry about making other people uh, uh, jealous right now, but I just want to know, is there anybody here that loves their job? Can I get a woo-woo? Come on, one more time, those who love their job. Come on. See, there are people who love their job. That's all right. If you don't love your job, don't hate those who do, though. But there are some people who just love their job, and God bless those people. And I want to let you know, that God has honored you and has given you that place to work. But how many people, you don't really like your job so much, you're just enduring it. Can I get an oh my, oh my, one, two, three, oh my. See, y'all shame now, because I know everybody said whoop, whoop on that job. I know more of y'all working than that, so we're going to try this again. If you love your job, go whoop, whoop. If you're struggling on your job, just go oh me, oh my. Oh, man, y'all. Part of it's your attitude, I can just tell right now. Oh, me, oh, my. You can't even do that with enthusiasm. <laughs> Maybe it ain't your job. Maybe it's you. But let's be real. Some people like their job. Some people don't like their job. But can I tell you something? All of us can do our jobs as unto the Lord. He didn't say, if you like your job, then do everything as unto the Lord. He didn't say, if you have a good boss, then do things unto the Lord. He didn't say, if you have good customers, do things unto the Lord. You know, you may be working in a place where you have to deal with bad type of customers. You may be a police officer, as we have some here. You may have to deal with the, the crime, the, cr the criminals of our culture. Or you may be uh, one of those people who has to answer phones at the cable company, and you've got to deal with mad, crazy loon 
lunatics like me who call you up all upset about why the cable bill is $300 and we're all getting loose in our mind. And, I, and I, I'm so happy that people have to be on that phone and be patient. Now, now Mr. Rostick, I understand your problem. I, they are like trained in how to be nice, man. I love those people. Has anybody, has anybody here ever had to do a telemarketing job, a service industry job, and deal with crazy, angry customers? Let's give all those people a hand clap. God bless you folks. Because I don't care how saved you are. When your cable bill is $300, you're going to lose your mind. When your cell phone bill is $300, you're going to lose your mind. When you have missed your plane, that tent, whoever that flight attendant is right there at the front gate is catching an earful. One pastor told a story. He missed his flight because you know, of some confusion on their end, the airline's, flight, uh, airline's fault. And he was yelling at the woman and yelling at the woman. And then she goes, Pastor. Pastor, why are you yelling at me like this? He goes, Pastor. She goes, yeah, I go to your church. You don't recognize me? He's like, oh, foot and mouth. <laughs> Suckle on the foot and mouth. Socked in, in my, I mean, oh, my gosh. He, and then God told him, hey, yeah, treat everybody like they go to your church. Like that was the way for the pastor. We're kind of dense sometimes. So God had to explain it to him like that. Like do unto others as you want done unto you the way God said it was. Yeah, treat everybody like they go to your church because you're nice to those people. Five, five things that you need to avoid. Five things to avoid to live a life of excellence. I'm going to give you five things to avoid. Here they are. I'm going to give them to you right at the beginning, then I'm going to describe each one. Low self-worth, discouragement, impatience, selfishness, and pride. If you want to do all things as unto the Lord, you're going to have to avoid those five things. And if you find yourself enjoying what you're doing, it's because you're doing one of these five things, if not all. These things apply to everybody in every job. Let's go through them one at a time. First, low self-worth. I want to give you guys an example here by this. There are some people that when they get a job, they have to start out at the low pay of the scale, uh, the low uh, end of the uh, pay scale. They may have to start off at minimum wage. And what happens is when they're starting that job at minimum wage, they get discouraged because they feel like they're worth more than $8. And they feel like they're not getting treated right by their boss and by their customers. And so they begin to feel their self-worth get devalued. And they refuse to give their best at that minimum wage job because they feel devalued. And they say, they're only paying me 8 bucks, so I shouldn't give it my all. Then there's other people who have been working for years in their field, maybe have post-secondary degrees, master's degrees, and because of the recession, they've had to scale back and not maybe use all of their education and not be in the place that they're used to, and now maybe they're working under somebody that's less qualified than them, and so they start to deal with low self-worth. Anybody hearing me today? What is the answer to low self-worth? You need to know that your value is not determined by your circumstance. Now, this is a rare thing for me to have any cash on me. I'm a card guy. Any other card people here? I'm just card all the way. If anything ever went crazy with the Illuminati and the One World Bank order system, I wouldn't have any money. So pray for me, okay? Oh, you conspiracy people like that. I just keep my bank money in the bank. Now, watch this right here. You know, $10 bill, this is valuable, and this is worth how many dollars? 
Okay, now imagine if I take this $10 bill and I go like this with it. Is, is this $10 bill, does it still have value? Is it worth now $8 because I crumpled it up? How many dollars is this worth? Okay, let's try it like this now. Stomp on it. Now I'm going to talk down to it. You stupid $10 bill. You're so dumb. You're so ugly. I don't like you. I don't want to be your friend. I'm going to kick you around. Now how much... Is that $10 bill worth now? I mean, I've crumpled it. I've, I've kicked it. I've talked down to it. It's got to be only worth $5. Is that right? How much is that $10 bill right, worth right now? $10. Now, let me ask you a question. Does anybody still want this $10? Who needs $10 right now to do something good with? I'm going to give it to Carol right here. She lost her job. Pray for her. There you go. Everybody say amen. Come on. $10 is still valuable, is it not? You may be in a situation where you feel like you are stepped on. You may feel like you are in a situation where you are mistreated, where people don't value you, they yell at you, they look down on you. You may feel that you should be treated differently in life you may feel that you need more attention more affirmation and because of those things you have a low self-worth but i want to encourage you baby you still worth every cent that god said you're worth just because your circumstance may be one where people mistreat you and they may not value you you are still valuable to god your value does not change on your circumstance. Where you are in life doesn't change who you are in life. So I want to encourage you, avoid low self-worth. I don't have time to read the whole story, but the biblical example of this is Joseph in the Bible. They put Joseph in slavery, but he still acted like he was a leader, and God blessed him as being a slave. They then put him in prison, and he acted as a leader in prison. They then put him before the Pharaoh, and he acted as a leader. What's the moral of the story? Is that every place Joseph was at, whether it was the pit, Potiphar's house, or in prison, he always was who God told him to be. He didn't let his circumstance change his identity or his value don't let a job a paycheck a boss a nine to five change your value and your self-worth you are valuable to God and how do we determine value by what somebody's willing to pay for it I don't know about you, but I watch these pawn store shows all the time and they just boggle my mind what people are willing to pay for crazy stuff there was a piece of a beard from Abraham Lincoln. A piece of a beard, y'all. From Abraham, I mean, it was like this from a beard. And a person like was willing to pay like $10,000 for a piece of beard from Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, you have lost your mind. You must be hanging out with the woman who's doing her grass every day. And you're all crazy. But what makes it worth $10,000? Because there's somebody that will pay $9,999 for it. And the next person goes, well, I'll pay $10,000 for it. What makes it worth $10,005 is if somebody's willing to pay $10,005. How much are you worth? What did someone pay 
to purchase you? What did someone pay to purchase you? Does anybody know you can help me now? The blood of Jesus. He purchased you with his blood, did he not? How valuable are you to God then? You're as valuable as his blood. You are valuable to the Lord Jesus Christ because he purchased you with his blood. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus said, uh, to the, when the father said to Jesus, how much are they worth? Jesus said, they're worth my life. There is nothing in your present circumstance that can change how much you are worth to God. Those things don't change according to your job, according to your raises, and according to what people think about you. Listen to this right here. Uh, Psalm 74.2. Or let's just go to Revelation. Let's turn all here together. Psalm 74.2 says it and Revelation. Chapter 14, verse 4, it says, They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. They were bought by the Lamb of God in His blood. So today, if you have to start, you can put it up there, please. If you have to start at the bottom of your career, at, I don't care if you're 50 years old. Let me give you an example. There was a man 60 years old who worked for the Episcopal Church. He was a bishop. He had his retirement there. He had all of his life savings there, the 401K. He planned to retire into the, uh, the parsonage there. The Episcopal Church ordained homosexuals. The, the, the minister then had a choice to make. Will I stay with this church or will I leave? When he left, they took all of his 401K because he had broken some type of a contract. They obviously weren't going to give him the parsonage. As a 60-year-old man at the age of retirement, he had to start his church over again for the very first time. How would you like to be a 60-year-old trying to pastor 10 people after you've been pastoring a large church your whole entire life? But you know what he had to do that day? He had to make a decision that his identity, his value wasn't based on his circumstance. That's a man of God to me. Look at that scripture. They were purchased from among men and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. Number two I want to talk to you about is avoiding discouragement. Everybody say discouragement. Every person here on their job is going to face discouragement. You're going to wake up some days and just be discouraged because you look in the mirror and see your hairdo. You're just going to be discouraged. I'm being honest. Come on, y'all. Some of you have bad hair days. I look at myself and I go, man, what can I do to make this simple? So I cut all my hair off. It's like, it's like some of my Latino gente. And, man, I like it. I like it. I got myself a little ball fade, number three. I'm like, oh, this is good. I pay like $5 at the barber for it. I used to get the white boy haircut paying 20 bucks for that mamma chama. You know, now I just pay 5 bucks. Now, some of you have a bad day because you didn't drink your coffee and all that. But now, look, you get on the job, and some people get on the job, and they get discouraged because of the way people treat them. Do you know that people will treat you as an expression of how they value you? Let me give you an example. If right now um, one of the starting basketball players, shout out a starting basketball player for the Bulls, Derek Rose. If Derrick Rose walked into this room, I would have no idea who he is. I'm just being honest with you. If Derrick Rose, because I, I didn't know his name. So if Derrick Rose walked into this church this morning, I would shake his hand. I'd be like, what's up, man? Good to see you, bro. Amen. 
God bless you. But some of you, oh, Lord, poof, faint. It's Derrick Rose. And that's the dudes, by the way. Oh, Lord. Poof. And there would be like dudes, like little schoolgirls around him, like Pastor Adam and Ricky would be like little school. Oh, it's Derrick Rose. Hey, honey, look at Derrick Rose. I want a picture. Take a picture with me and Derrick Rose. And I would, I would be looking at you guys. Man, what got into these people? They are crazy. Why are they all getting around that person? I don't even know. What's up? You're taking a picture. You know, and all, all of a sudden, Ricky's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. He's like crying. He's like, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it. And he's, I'm just like, Ricky, what's gotten into you, man? <laughs> I always love picking on him. Anyways, I love you. I know somebody would go, dude, don't you know who that is? And they would explain to me. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Why? What's the difference? Between me and the fan is I don't value Derrick Rose the way the fan values Derrick Rose. Now, I wouldn't be rude to him. I'm just saying I wouldn't value him the same way because I don't know him. When people on the job curse you out and when customers treat you bad, it's this their way of saying I don't value you. See, people don't care about you, friends. A lot of people don't. And being a Christian does not change that. Do you think because I walk around going, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, that people value me more? People actually treat me worse sometimes because they know I'm a pastor. I have to endure everything that's ever been done wrong to them by a pastor because I carry that title. But can I tell you something about discouragement? You need to know the difference between your calling and your assignment. When people don't value you, you need to know the difference between your calling and your assignment. Let me give you the example here. When I'm going to the grocery store and someone says, uh, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I'm a pastor. And they go, oh, man, I hate pastors. I don't like pastors, this, this, and that. You know what I need to understand is I'm just on assignment right now to talk to that person and offer them something good from a pastor. My calling is not to put up with that and to endure that, but my assignment is to put up with it for that moment. You see, assignments change over life, but your calling remains the same. I've had a lot of people come into this church and say, I don't like this and I don't like that, and I've been assigned by God to help them and try to serve them, but you can't make all people happy all of the time. You can only make some of the, ha some of the people happy some of the time. Are you all tracking with me? You cannot make all people happy all the time. So what I have to do is I have to understand the difference between my assignment to be here and my calling of what I'm doing. Now, let me put it to you on your job. They may say to you, hey, we want you to deal with our customers that have complaints today. And you may have to go out there and deal with customers. That's your assignment is to deal with customers with complaints. But your calling isn't to be uh, just some person taking everybody's problems. Your calling is to make the company great. You're a part of a bigger picture. You're part of a bigger picture. And if there's not somebody like you doing those assignments, then the company won't be great. How many are happy for garbage men? How many are happy that they get assigned your house to pick up garbage? But how many know that's not their calling is to pick up garbage? 
their calling attached to their value is to make our city clean. So when we look at them and we treat them as a guy who handles garbage, then we're not valuing him because we're, we're treating him according to his assignment. Oh, you're, you're dumb because you have to pick up garbage. That's nasty. Look at you. We just, we, we just treated him in a way that wasn't, wasn't right because we actually do value what he does or she does. But we see the assignment and not the calling. We, don't, we see the little picture, not the big picture. And sometimes on your job, when people are mistreating you or you're going through hardships, you look at your assignment and you say, this thing is so stinking frustrating. These people treat me like X, Y, and Z. They don't value me. I shouldn't be here. I want to quit or I want to slap them upside the head. And we miss the opportunity to do something great in that company. So I want you to think about as a Christian, what what other times you're getting discouraged in your relationship to people and then understand that's people's misunderstanding of what you're doing. They're not understanding your calling. Where does the, where does the Bible get to this? Jesus. Hey, guys, look up at me. Did people always value Jesus the right way? When they saw Jesus have the assignment of hanging out with lepers, did they go, there's the Son of God, he's so awesome, he hangs out with lepers? No. They said, look at this guy, he hangs out with lepers, he hangs out with drunkards, he hangs out with prostitutes. This guy can't be the Son of God because they missed his calling by looking at his assignments. Don't let people discourage you that way. Don't you get discouraged that way. I don't care what you do on your job. Those little assignments you're doing are for a big picture. And there are bosses, there are owners, there are managers, there are people that are depending upon you fulfilling those assignments so that the big picture can be done. So next time you get discouraged, either by the way people are treating you or the way you look at what you're doing yourself and, and devaluing it, look at it from God's perspective. Can I hear an amen? Number three, somebody say impatience. When we look at being on the job, so many times we get impatient, and I can speak from personal experience, because we want to achieve things at a faster rate than what we're actually achieving them at. Now, there are some of you here that don't want to achieve anything on your job, and you need to get some motivation to do that. You should want to be great on your job. So I'm trying to encourage people who actually want to be great right now, okay? If you don't want to be great, then, then this, is, this part's not for you. I'm talking to people who, when they get on the job, they want to excel. That process of excelling on that job is probably going to take a lot longer than you thought it would. I was talking to my dad the other day. He's retired after being in business for over 35 years. And he said, Joe, my greatest years of success, he's 65 years old now. He said, my greatest years of success came from 55 to this age, my last 10 years of business. Are you willing to be patient in your job, in your field, for 20, 30 years to have the success of the last final 5 to 10 years? Would you be willing to do that? I look at myself today as a pastor. Okay, I've been pastoring for 15 years. This is the congregation that I pastor. And I say, God, you've promised us 100,000. You've promised us 100,000. Where are the 100,000? And what does God say back to me? Be patient. Be patient. Wait. And I'm like, God, I don't want to wait. 
I want them now. I want them now. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll put ads on Chicago. Uh, on uh, oh, what was that magazine we advertised in? Uh, not the Tribune, but uh, the Red Eye. I'll put. I put ads on Radio B ninety six. Is that the radio station? The real secular booming and radio station. We put ads on it. I'm like God. I, I, I want them to come. I want them to come. And all of that just whew, didn't even work. Those people aren't here today. You're here today, but I'm sure you didn't come from that red eye or, or the radio ad. If I'm wrong, then please forgive me, and God bless you if you're that one. Then we spent about $5,000 on door mail-outs at Wicker Park. We had two people show up, and then they never came back. $5,000. I had one pastor convince me of this. He was like, oh, man, you, you want to get them in? You want to bring them in, pack out the place? Then you got to do marketing. Go with this company. And I go, but that company's expensive. Oh, they're worth every penny. It works for me. It works for me. So I spent all this money on marketing. Went right away. God is saying, will you be patient? And here's the lesson of patience. Know that there are reasons for your seasons. Somebody's getting blessed today. I hope that's you today, friends. I hope you're getting something out of this, especially those who want to go big for God. There are reasons for our seasons. What has God been doing in my life for 15 years pastoring the people I've been pastoring? Teaching me humility. Teaching me to love the one. Teaching me to spend time with the sheep. Teaching me that it's not all about me, my gifts, my preaching, that it's about people. Learning to share the victories. You know, Monica and I worked on that website. Not one of us is taking more or less of the credit. We, we share the victory. Where if you would have probably talked to me 10 years ago, I would have been like, this is what I did, this is what she did, this is what I did, this is what she did. But when you work in a place like this over many, many years, you learn just to celebrate the victories. Like everybody just made that happen. That happened in me these last 15 years. I've become nicer. <laughs> yeah, this is the nicest I have ever been, by the way. Oh, Lord, what was he like 10 years ago? You don't want to know. Yeah, I've gotten nicer. And guess what? One day, just prophesying, one day, like there's 100 people here, there will be 100,000 people here. Because God keeps his word, right? But I'll be different. That's why the 100,000 is not here. See, God cares more about us than actually those assignments. Sometimes we look at God and we go, come on, God, just give me the raise. Give me the promotion. I'll do the job better than anybody else. And God goes, I know you will. That's what I made you to do. But right now, I care more about you. I care more about what I can teach in you and develop in you. I was single for eight years. Why? Because there was a reason for my singleness. God wanted me to teach how to treat a lady. Many times I look at these young couples and they're getting married and they look up to Nancy and I and they go, man, you know, you guys tell us about your first year in marriage and it was so much easier and you guys got along. And, and I tell them, hey, you, you don't understand this. I waited eight years to get married after becoming a Christian. You just became a Christian three or four years ago. Now you're married. That's a lot different in maturity. I've been serving the Lord for twice as long before God said you're ready for a wife. Think about that. Like, I'm like two years saved, and I'm like ready for a wife. Goes, no, you ain't even close. I'm like four years saved, and I ask God, am I ready for a wife? He goes, no, 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 no. 
six years, getting closer, eight years. And literally my wife will tell you because it drove her crazy. I heard God say to me, you're ready to get married. And then I went on Christian internet dating. I dated like 30 girls. I was dumb and stupid. I didn't sin, but I was dumb. And God's like, no, what are you doing? I'm like, God, you told me that I was ready to date. He said, but not like that, Jack. Not like that. And that's where I wrote the book, Date Like a Christian. Because I was, I, I was saved after eight years, and I was dating like I was on The Bachelor. I was like trying this one out, trying this one out, and God said, no, you still didn't learn. So you could just imagine what God had to teach me. Now, think about this. What is God teaching you in the season that you're in right now? Maybe you've been 10 years on your job, and you're supposed to be at a certain level, and you're not there yet, and maybe you've watched other people get promoted. And you're just, you know, asking yourself, what's wrong? There might not be nothing wrong. God may be holding back that promotion for the right time. That doesn't give you an excuse for laziness or mistreating people. But I'm saying God may have you there for a season. Now, if God says, you know, this company doesn't appreciate you, you need to move on, I believe God leads his sheep. But I'm talking to a very specific person today that you know you're supposed to be on that job. You know you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, just like I know I'm supposed to be here. But you get discouraged, and quitting's not an option for you. For those of us that are in that place, I want you to hear us, uh, hear me today, and be encouraged that there are reasons for that season. Ask God for what those reasons are. And what is the scripture behind that? The scripture behind that is the life of Peter. Peter always wanted to be the leader. Do you know about Peter in the Bible trying to walk on water? But then what happens? He falls down. He tries to help Jesus, cuts off the ear, but it's done wrong. He then tries to be all bold and cuss out a little girl, but he's denying Christ while he's doing it. It just seems like every time Peter tried to be the leader, he messed it up. Until God said, here's the Holy Ghost, now's your time to shine. Get it on, boy. Come on. He got a little southern with him. Go on out there, boy, and preach. But it took Peter three years. It took Peter three years to get that opportunity to be that leader. Let me go to number four quickly in closing. I got two more left. Selfishness. So many times in our jobs, we think about ourselves. You know, when am I getting off work? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Because I feel like I'm doing your job right now. We're thinking about ourselves. Sometimes we'll put ourselves above the customer. Well, you know, that may be the policy, but I don't really feel like doing that right now. Selfishness on the job causes people to look at us in a way that they will not respond positively to us. People aren't dumb. When I was uh, yesterday at Walmart, I was buying a, a TV for my house, and we were there. There, there was this woman who was trying to scan the, the, the price because they didn't have the tags up there. And uh, long story short, she wasn't really being that helpful. And just politely, I said, you know, can I just talk to a manager? Because, I mean, i got to get the, the TV. She took like 20 minutes looking for it and then came back and says, we don't even have any stock. And then I said, don't you have the gun? You can just check. She said, my gun's broke. I said, man, can you just get the manager? So the manager came out, and this manager was outstanding. She came out there immediately thinking about me. Oh, man, I love when people do that in business. 
Now, I'm not being selfish as a customer because I'm paying, so that's my right as the customer. But how many know what I'm talking about? When you go to a restaurant, when you go to a business, when you get your hair cut, and somebody just makes it about you for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, and they just do the best job they can. That was how this manager came up. She goes, how are you doing, sir? What can I do for you? And I explained the situation. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, this is broken. She's trying to do her best, but how can I help you? I said, well, I'm looking for this kind of a model. She said, well, we got this one right here. The other woman didn't know about it. And then I looked at the price, and it was a little bit out of our range. I said, you know, because you didn't have the model, and I've been here all day, could you give me a better deal on this? This is Walmart, and I hardly ever, like, wheel and deal. But I just felt led to do that. She goes, sure, you know, and she took off $50. And I shook her hand, and I go, thank you for making my day. Because I just made my day. All I wanted to do was come into Walmart and buy a TV and go home. But because, God bless this woman, she was trying her best, but because of her incompetence, I almost just said, forget about it, I'm going to shop somewhere else. But this manager came in and saved the day. See, the lesson about being on your job is knowing what God is doing in you, he wants to do through you. If you go to your job and you stop thinking about just yourself, but you put yourself in their situation then you'll think about what I would want done to me, then you will now do it to others. So when that woman came, she wasn't being selfish. She wasn't thinking to herself, well, I'm on break right now, and I'm supposed to be doing all this paperwork back here, and there's this crazy person over here messing with one of my workers. What can I do for you, you know, chewing on her gum? No, she came into that situation thinking about how she would want to be treated, and that made all the difference. Have you thought about doing that on your job? Because you can't do all things in excellence. And we're defining excellence today as doing all things unto God. If you're being selfish, stay a little bit later. Come a little bit earlier. Work a little bit harder. Be a little bit nicer. Say things a little bit better. Perfect your craft. Inspire people. Make your product, your service, your industry about the customer, the person, the one you're serving. And you will feel a sense of reward even if you're just handing them a McDonald's hamburger. And lastly, pride. Have to avoid pride. Pride is the fact or excuse me, is the belief that you think you're more valuable than what you really are. Uh, Band, can you come, please? How many people have prideful uh, co-workers? Anybody here have prideful co-workers? Okay. Now, those who are not raising their hands, come on, everybody, keep your hands up. Those who are not raising their hands, look around. Those who are raising their hands, rather, look around to those who are not raising their hands. Those are the prideful ones because they don't know they have the pride. Okay, thank you. I'm just kidding. How does pride manifest on the job? Demanding. You do this right now. Pride manifests through manipulation. Well, I I know Sally will do it. Sally Sally will do it. You don't want to do it, I'll get somebody else to do it. Manipulation. Pride manifests on the job through backbiting. Oh, yeah, I I just hate so-and-so. I asked, I asked them to file this, and they didn't file that. And I asked them to do this, and they didn't do that. And they come with their hair all messed up, and they don't look right. Pride on the job is not giving glory to God. Some of you just need to hear the soft music right now and ask yourself, why did my pastor just talk about my job? 
because you're there 40 hours a week. If I'm going to talk about a purpose in your, in your life, don't you think I should talk about what you spend a third of your life doing? If some of you have let this message go over your head, I pity you because you will, you will wake up every day and you will say, this 40 hours sucks. But if you got the lesson today, you're going to get some pep in your step. I just want to say that because I see some of you checking out like the soft music's playing. We're about ready to go home. Guys, this is for your benefit. You're going to be there tomorrow whether you like it or not. Pride. Your attitude will determine your altitude. Oh, about the, the scripture for selflessness. Philippians 2, Jesus Christ humbling himself coming to this earth. How many know he was thinking about us when he came? How many know Jesus wasn't on this earth? I'm, just, I'm, I'm still on number four, just by the way. Uh, Jesus wasn't on this earth going, guys, let me tell you all about heaven. And Man, there's angels up there, and I get worship all the time. And sick person, I'll talk to you later. Let me just keep talking about heaven. You know, heaven's so awesome. There's streets of gold. Poor person, no, I don't have time for you. I'm just talking about heaven right now. Did Jesus come here and just talk about heaven the whole time? As a matter of fact, do you know that Jesus spent four times more Versus more time talking about hell than he did about heaven. Why? Because he didn't want people to go to hell because he cared about them because he knew he was going to heaven. So he knew what heaven was. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was going there, but he knew a lot of people weren't going there. So he was helping his customer the whole time. He said, guys, look, I mean, we just had a good meal. We just had a great wedding, but I got to tell you guys about hell. You don't want to go there. There's gnashing of teeth. He's hanging out with his disciples and he goes, yeah, did you like the message about, you know, loving your neighbor? But let me just tell you about this. You know, if anything causes you to sin, you need to cut it off because it's better to go to heaven missing your right hand, fellas, and being called lefty than going to hell with your internet. And, and, and you know what you do with your right hand. It, it's better to cut it off because there's a real hell. Why was Jesus always talking about hell? Because he thought about his customer. Okay, that's selfishness. Now, now, now going to pride, when we are prideful, our attitude actually brings us down. How many have ever uh, been disappointed by somebody in life that had amazing ability, great on the job, could bring home the deals, could, could make it happen, they were the best waiter, whatever, but you were just turned off by their attitude. Anybody ever have somebody with a bad attitude, but they were talented, but they turned you off with that attitude? Attitude affects our altitude. It affects the way people view us. If we treat people in a way with snobbery, and they walk away from us and they go, oh, that person thought they were better than me. I remember um, my pastor, Brother Anthony, tells the story about the worst coworker he ever had. He had to fire him and this person caused so much problems in the church, uh, at the Bible college. And he said the number one problem this person had was he had a Ph.D., and at that time there wasn't really any Ph.D.s around. There was mostly just master's degrees, uh, I mean uh, on staff. And he just walked around like, I got a Ph.D. Oh, shame on you. I know more than you. And he would talk to Brother Anthony that way. And Brother Anthony was his boss. But he just had so much pride. And his attitude just brought him down, 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 until all the staff members said, I can't stand being around so-and-so. What do you think they say about you on the job? 
Are you the one that they say, man, don't get around so-and-so. They are so stinking prideful. They got so much attitude. Or do you think people on the job look at you as being the most helpful? Because what's the opposite of pride? Humility. Humility. Do you, you, know, you know what was one of the biggest compliments I, I ever had? Because I have only really started churches and been self-employed in that way. But I got to work for SUM a little bit. And you know one of the biggest compliments that I really received? Uh, a lot of people said you're great at what you do and all that. But the biggest compliment that I ever received is people from other departments would say, Hey, Joe, man, I know you're really busy doing the stuff that, you know, Chancellor has you doing. But, man, can you just take a look at this real quick? And be like, sure, okay, yeah, change this and that. Some of you are being asked to do other people's job, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's because they're asking you for help. I'm not saying promote people's laziness. You know the difference. But I'm saying some of you are being put in that position, and God wants you to be humble and go, oh, yeah, you know, you need some help with this. I'm going to show that with you. Why? Because you think of yourself in humility, not in pride. And what's the scripture about humility? Also, Philippians chapter 2. But as you stand with me, I want to read a scripture to you. Will you all stand with me, please? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 as we tie it all together. How many are going to do better on their job? Can I hear an amen? How many are encouraged today? Can I hear a woo-woo? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. Here are the four things, uh, five things we need to avoid. Low self-worth, discouragement, impatience, selfishness, and pride so that we can do all things in excellence for that is what Christ has called us to do. He said, do all things as unto me. Now further in that chapter, what does he say in verse 2? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And he keeps going and talking about what he needs to do. But I want you to see that today. That is going to be your strength on your job, is being devoted to prayer. How many of you have a commute to your job where you have to drive, take a train, a car, or you walk? Basically, how many of you work somewhere other than the home, right? All of us pray to work on the way to work. God, I just lift you up right now on my way to work, you know, and I just ask that you just give me grace to deal with the problems that I have today. Give me creative ideas and solutions to the people I have to help. Make me a leader. Help me be sensitive. Let me walk humbly. All by your spirit in Jesus' name. That's a good prayer, is it not? How many of you get a break on your job? How many of you get a break? other words, how many of you are not working in a a sweatshop, right? So you, you get breaks, right? You ever thought about having a prayer break? God, this day is so hard. Lord, I feel like just giving up. Would you speak to me, God, and give me your peace? How long did that prayer take, friends? 20, 30 seconds? Right? You can pray like that. You can devote yourself to prayer. How about this? Here's another one. How many of you ever think to yourself during the day? You ever think to yourself? If you're not raising your hand, you have either checked out or we need to pray for you. Listen to the, keep your hands up because I'm just messing with some of you guys right now. How many of you think to yourself during the day? Right? Thank you. How about this? Done. 
I just thought a prayer to God. I just thought a prayer to God. God is with you on your job. It's not like when you leave your house, Jesus is like, I'll see you when you get back. Or like when you leave church, I'll see you here next week. How many know Jesus goes with you on your job? How many know there's people in the business world that say, foul your gut? So, you'll, I mean, I see this all the time when I watch reality shows. I don't know how much reality it is, but you'll see Donald Trump and he'll just be like, and he'll just think. Or you'll see like Mark Cubes from the Shark Tank, you know, just, you know what they're doing? They're thinking to themselves. You know what you should do? Think to God. It's nobody's business what you think about. You could be, you know, come on, some of you are looking at me crazy. You know there's people going like this thinking, you're an idiot. I can't wait to leave here and go home tonight. Let me think about that. You know there's people on the job that do that. You could just, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this situation. Would you help me? You can think that and nobody needs to know. God will give you the wisdom. And here's the thing. Last thing, be thankful. You are in a free country. Nobody makes you work the job you're working. You have talents and ability to get up and do something with your life. You have the opportunity to affect people. You're giving back to your church. We are so thankful that when you give, we can do what we're doing. You can provide for your family. You're providing for their future and inheritance. You have a lot to be thankful for, sir. You have a lot to be thankful for, ma'am. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. Would you apply it now to our heart? As altar workers come, would you just close your eyes for the next few moments and ask God to apply this word to your heart for your job? I know I went a little late, but would you take a few moments on your job and your mind and just pray and seek the Lord for his wisdom, for his grace, if you need to be transformed from some of those areas that we talked about, would you just ask the Lord to do it? Ask Him to show you how He's going to do it. Come on, just pray right now. That's all I'm asking, saints. Before you go, pray. Do all things unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Not, not as unto men, but unto Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Help me pastor this church as unto you. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, God. Help us do all that we do unto your name. I'm going to close out in prayer. And as I do, if you need prayer for anything today, we welcome you to come up here. But especially if you need prayer for your job, maybe you're looking for work, we'll pray for you. Or just any of those things that's work-related and your purpose, we want to pray with you. God has a plan for your life. Father, thank you for this service today. Work can be a blessing if we do it as unto you. Help us to remember that this week and all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Amen. Would you bless them today? Praise God. We love you. Greet one another. We'll see you at life groups. If you need prayer, come on up as we worship. God bless you.
Set you out. 